Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Fantastic. Come on. Let's, how, about, how about worship today? Was worship absolutely amazing? Like, I'm telling you, I am so blessed to be just a part of a church that just values that kind of stuff. Um, during that last song, um, and you heard Caleb talk about it, and I just have to kind of pause. We're going to get to the series. Um, we're going to continue series from the mount. But all week long, I have, um, and I almost put a video out this week just to kind of get everybody on the same sheet of music. Um, I know there's all kinds of stress and tension in the world today, and there's all kinds of bad things. And um, I was actually in my journal on Tuesday. Um, it was our first fasting day. Some of you um, already reached out and said you did fasting for the very first time, and it was amazing. And some of some of, some some of you just joined in our fasting. But I wrote something down. I was like, and, and I wrote this: um, COVID didn't catch God off guard. Y'all know that. COVID didn't catch God off guard, or all the stuff that's going on, all the tension that's in the world, it didn't catch God off guard. And I was reminded of a passage of scripture, and it's, a, it's in the Psalms. David wrote it this. He wrote, this is the day the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so many times we get so frustrated in the world and the day and how things are going that we forget that God made this day right here. God knew exactly what was gonna happen. God knew that you were gonna be here. God knew that I was gonna be here. And instead of complaining about things, because it's easy to complain about stuff, isn't it? Like all you gotta do is go on Facebook for five minutes and you see everybody that wants to complain about something. And I thought to myself, this is the big thought that I have. What if God was really trying to get the church's attention? What if somehow or another through this COVID, he was trying to shake us, and instead of writing about how bad it is that we have to wear face masks or all the problems in the world, if we used it as a tool to share the love of Jesus Christ in the world we live in, we made it actually a platform of good instead of bad stuff, what would happen? So today, if you're, not, if you're here, maybe you're feeling a little stressed, I want you to know God is still in charge of everything. And God knew this was gonna happen. Maybe he didn't make it happen, he didn't create it, but I'm, I'm guaranteeing you this one thing. God is going to take this awful time in history. Imagine what our kids, or your kids, my grandkids, uh, in 20 years from now, what are they going to read in these history books about how bad 2020 is? Or maybe the greatest revival that ever broke out in the course of history happened in this year right at. What would happen if that happened instead? So now we'll get to the message. So we're in this series called From the Mount. And I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed going through this. We did the first section, I think it was 10 messages, and we're going to do about um, seven more after today. And we've been looking at the teachings of Jesus, and Jesus is talking to these scribes and Pharisees, and he's trying to tell them and teach them the difference between religion and spirituality, what it really means to be a follower of God, what it really means, and it's not based on look, it's not based on, you know, it's, it's based on the action and what's going on in the inside. And so we've been looking at all these different concepts. And today, it's interesting because this was one of the first ones that I wrote in this series way back before COVID hit. And it was two key events that happened. One was this. Anybody ever been to a really, really, really nice restaurant? I'm talking about a really nice, like they, they have real napkins, not paper napkins, okay? And the salt shakers are glass. They're not plastic like at McDonald's. And so they, these, these restaurants, by the way, if you never, they don't have drive-thrus in them, okay? So like you have to sit down and all that. So we were at this really, really, really nice restaurant and I'm looking at the menu and I was, it was splurge day. It was a date night. So I'm like, I don't mind paying, you know, a little bit more for a meal. Well, I, I order the meal and the guy said, you know, everything is, I think he called it a la carte. So a la carte, which means you have to order things. So you order your meat and then you order your vegetable and then you order if you want something else. And, and I was thinking it all came with it. So I just kept ordering and ordering and ordering. Well, it got to my, it got to my, my table. And if you've been around Journey any length of time, you know that there's not a lot of filter in me, okay? So I, the, the plate comes out and this is what I, exact words in my mouth. The plate comes out, he put it down and I said, is that all there is? 
Is that, is that it? And my, my wife's looking like, oh my gosh, you're embarrassing me. And it made me think. How many times in our life have we made that statement? Is that all there is? A couple years ago, I got asked to go play a very prestigious golf course in another city. And the guy comes to me and says, listen, and this is what he said, it's just like the Augusta National. Now, I don't know about you guys, I've been walking, I never played, but I've walked the Augusta National. There is nothing, somebody say amen, nothing like the Augusta National. Like, I'm telling you what, like, it's, it's carpet, right? You walk, like, so we get down at the end of the 18, played a really good round, I shot like 74, 75, I was really jacked up, and he goes, so what do you think? Was it just, I was like, is that all there is? Is there another section of this that would, was supposed to remind me? Well, how about this? Have you ever been to the movies? And everybody's billing this movie as the best movie ever. Like it's, it's, you know, the sequel to the sweet sequel of Star Wars and it's way better than any of the other ones. Or maybe it's, you know, whatever the, your favorite movie and, and you go and you go, you get to the very end and, and the credits start rolling and you're going, is that all, is that all there is? Like, and you're waiting for the, you know, the B-roll stuff to come out. Cause that's sometimes funnier than a movie. And, and you're like, oh, well, that was it, huh? Or how about this? I remember this specifically. How many people are about my age that remember a TV show named Home Improvements? Anybody? How about Friends? How about Big Bang? We are a really worldly church. We gotta stop. <laughs> I, those three, you know, when at the end of the, so it's the last season, you know, they bill it all up and it's, it's gonna be great. And you get to the end and you go, wow. Is that all there is? Like, is there, is there another one coming next week? Because like, that was... It was just, it wasn't that good. And it got me thinking. I bet you there's people in this world, they're gonna get to the end of their life and they're gonna scratch their head and they'll go, is that all there is? Is that it? I mean, I've worked for 50, 60 years. I got my retirement coming in. I got a few grandkids. I got a pretty nice house. I got a boat. I'm part of a prestigious golf, whatever it is. And you're gonna go, is that it? Like, did I miss something? Because there has to be more to this life than just kind of living and breathing and the 24-7 and the grind and all that kind of stuff. And, and when you read the Bible, you see story after story about Jesus teaching people that there's more to this life. One of my favorite ones is found in the book of Luke, chapter 12. And before we get into the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus is going to teach, this kind of sets the stage. It's the springboard of what I want to talk about for the next few moments. He says this, he said, he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life doesn't consist in the abundance of his possessions. It doesn't consist in the, the shiny and the new and the big and the things that cost a lot of money. He says, that's not, that's not, not, what, that's not, that's, that's not what life is about. And then he said this, he told him this parable, it's a story. And he said, the, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have, I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, well, I'll do this. I'll tear down this little bitty barn over here and I'll build a larger barn. And there I'll store all my grain. And verse 19 says, and I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Now it's time to relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to them, fool, fool. I think this is a word that you don't want to be called by God. Like fool, like I can almost envision, as he's telling this parable, he's going, y'all watch right here because I'm about to blow you out of the water. He says, fool, fool, give me, just hear this for a second. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, all the bigger barns and the bigger barns, whose will they be? 
So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. What? I can almost imagine he's going, whoa, 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 whoa. And I can imagine the audience that he's talking to, he's going, whoa, this is what we've, all of our life, this is what we work for. And you're telling me basically this is it? Is there more to this? Is, is that it? And today we're going to look at the parable. And Jesus is talking to a group of people. And he's telling them, hey, if you want to be really spiritual, if you want to understand this spiritual thing, not, not the outward appearance, not what it looks like to people outside, not, 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 but if you want to understand what the priorities are in our lives, I'm getting ready to blow you out of the water. But I want you to write this down because I think this is a, a learning lesson. We're going to spend a little bit of time on this little, this little platform for a second. And I want you to write this down, that we need to learn, if we're going to ever understand priorities, if we're ever going to understand what the kingdom is about, if we ever understand how to make the most of this life, we're going to have to understand to think beyond our treasures, the things that we accumulate, the things that we think are important. All throughout scripture, we see this concept. But Matthew chapter six, Jesus is teaching on this mountaintop and he says, don't lay, lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves, they don't break in and steal. You know, he's just saying, he's saying there's a, there's a depreciation of that investment and moth will come in and destroy if it's linen and, and if it's some kind of metal, it's gonna, and, and if you wanna know like a modern day thing, how this plays out, just buy a brand new vehicle and pull it off the lot and try to get it back to them the next day. It's about a $10,000 depreciation. That's the world we live in. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Jesus said, don't, don't buy stuff. Don't, don't just treasure the treasure. Don't, don't, just, don't do that. And it's just for where your treasure is, there's your heart also in verse 21. Verse 22 says, the eye of the lamp is the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then it says this, and a lot of us have heard this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate one, he'll love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus is talking about, and, and, and a lot of times people go, oh, he's, he's gonna preach on money today. I'm not preaching on money. As a matter of fact, we're not gonna do a secret offering at the end of service and guilt everybody into giving money today. Because well, this is, wasn't what the passage was about. The passage isn't about tithing. The passage isn't about you know, uh, extravagant generosity. The passage is about priorities. Where we put our priorities in our lives. What do our priorities look like? What our priorities should be about? And Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to understand. I want you to have the kingdom in mind as your first priority. He says, listen, he says, verse 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in. A little side note here. If your priority is money in your life, I can promise you you're going to live a miserable life. And it's interesting to me that the very root word of miser is the word uh, uh, um, of misery is miser. And so many times we think, and some of the most uh, just absolutely miserable people I've ever been around have been the people that seemingly have the most money. And it's because the priority that people have put on money. And it's interesting because there's a little play on words right here that a lot of us don't get because we don't understand Greek. I don't really understand Greek. I was going to read to you a little bit of Greek today, but I'm not. But I'm just going to, there's two words where it says, lay up for yourselves in heaven, right? It says, do not lay up. There's a Greek word that literally means treasures. And then the other word for treasures is actually the same word. Both of the words are the exact same. And what he's saying, Jesus is saying, don't treasure your treasures. 
It's the priority that you put on things. Don't treasure the house. Don't treasure the boat. Don't treasure your, your, your golf clubs or your fishing rods. Or don't treasure that, that big car, that new, that new, you know, the brand new truck. Don't treasure your treasures. And Jesus isn't saying, and I want to be real clear, he's not saying that you can't have a savings account, and he's not saying that IRAs aren't good, and he's not saying that you shouldn't have a retirement account. But what he's saying is, is that all you're living for? Are we just living for the treasures that are in our driveway or in our, in our garage or our, on our house or wherever? He says, don't treasure your treasures. I, I would encourage you to do this. Remind yourself as many times as you possibly can in your life not to treasure your treasures. Because it doesn't make a difference how much money you make, your treasures are your treasure. I remember going to Haiti and in the Dominican Republic, we would go to places called Bates, and it's the poorest of the poor. And if you've ever been to the Dominican Republic, it's basically Haitian people. And I remember this guy, it was an amazing thing. He had this little oil can, you know, like an oil, like a, oil like a, like a, that, uh, that you pour oil out into your car. And he had punched holes in it and he put two sticks. And out of some bottle caps, he made, he made uh, the wheels. And then he, he put a little rope to it and he was, he was, he was dragging it all around the bate. Now this is, this is the kid's toy. Like where everybody else, we had Legos and matchbox cars and all that. This was his car. And I remember when one other little kid came up to him and said, can you, I want that. And they're like, they, they, you know, my, 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 mine. And he's grabbing for it. And so it's not the amount of the treasure. It's how we view that treasure. It's the thing we view. It could be worth five cents or $5 million. It's about our, our mentality. It's about our priorities. I heard a, a story and it's an old story, and some of you may have heard it, but it was a, a little boy, and his mom hears this blood-curdling sound coming from the bathroom, so she opens the door, and she doesn't know what to expect, but in his hand was this, this priceless vase, this Chinese, this Oriental, you know, this really expensive, and he had his hands stuck in it. And he's trying, they're trying to get it out, and they put some butter on it, and they put some oil, and they put soap, and they couldn't get the little boy's hand out. He's absolutely, I mean, the neighbors are coming, and he's just absolutely screaming, he couldn't get his hand out. So there's only one thing left to do, and that was she was going to have to break this, pre this precious, this, this like $100,000 vase. And she gets a hammer, and she's just about, it's like, can you, can you just one more time, just try to get your hand out? And they tried a little bit more and nothing. So she finally just took, and she just smashed the vase, and splinters of that vase were all over the floor. And all of a sudden, when the dust settled, she saw the little boy, and he had his hand balled up in a fist. And she starts to peel back his fingers, one finger at a time to see what he was holding on to. That was keeping his hand from coming out because he was clenched onto whatever he was holding so tight. And she peeled it back and it was a shiny penny. And that's the story of our lives a lot of times. We're holding on to riches that are almost worthless at the expense of all the things that are going on around us. That little boy was treasuring his treasures. And how many times are we gripping on the things? Let me ask you a question, real honest question. How do you look? What's your vision? There's a, there's a couple words that through COVID that we've heard a lot of. Um, unprecedented is a word. How many people are tired of that word? If I hear pandemic, pandemic one more time, okay? Well, another word is optics. That seems to be a big word. The optics of this situation look like this or the optics. We've used it around here. Like, I like, that's a cool word, optics. Well, optics have a lot to say about what we're, what we're looking at and how we respond to it and what our heart's saying. And that's exactly what Jesus starts to say in this next verse, in verse 22. He said, the optics of it. He said, the eye, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, 
your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If, if then the light is in you or in, the light is in you or that's in you, darkness, how great is that darkness? What he's saying is there's a good eye and a bad eye and it's, it's about perspective. He said, if your eye is healthy and your eye is focused on things that are bigger than this world, things that are, you know, things that the kingdom kind of stuff, your, your eyes are focused on Jesus and what Jesus is trying to do. We sang about the, the, you know, your eye is focused on the Holy Spirit, then everything's going to be good. But when your eye gets off a little bit, you know what starts to happen? Envy and strife and anger and bitterness. All of a sudden, we're worried about all the stuff that people are trying to take from us. And what's your eye? What's your eye look like? Is it a good eye? Is it a bad eye? Where's it taking you? I was going to do a little test this morning. I still may do it, but I'll do it differently than I did it in the first service. So just a question. What's your priority list look like? I've said this for years. I can tell a lot about a person by looking at their checkbook. I can tell what your heart's about. I can tell about what's important to you. If you look at my checkbook or, well, now we don't have checkbooks anymore. We just do it all online. But if I was to look on online banking, it's golf club, it's golf club, it's fishing rod, it's hunting, it's fishing, it's hunting, it's golf. You can tell what's important to a person by how they spend their money. What's your priorities look like? If you were to open that up right now, I don't care what it is. I mean, that's between you and God. But if you were to open it up right now, is it clothes? Is it, is it, I'm like, how many of those Amazon things? How about Starbucks? How many times, what's important to you? Or, or how about this? Is it important to you what people think of you? Like when you pull into your driveway and you see the guy next door with the brand new Chevy Z71. And you know that you can't afford a brand new Z71, but you go out and buy one because you got it one up the next door neighbor. What's our priorities look like? Our priorities the next job and making sure that we have that, you know, we secure that so we can buy more stuff. What does it look like? Because you tell a lot of person about what their priorities are. That'd be a good test. Maybe the person that brought you and maybe you put some of your close, close to, you just turn to them after you know, service while you're eating you know, down at Viardas or wherever you're gonna get, get just like, hey, like, help me with this. Do you see something in me that I, maybe I don't see? What do my priorities look like? See, one of the things that we have to learn how to do is to maintain a proper balance in our lives. There's a balance between stuff and what God's doing in our lives. There's a balance between having some and not having it at all. And I love the way Jesus says it here. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. You know, it's funny. He never says, one of the most misquoted passages of scripture is, and it's the people say, money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says, by the way. The Bible says the love of money, when you love money over everything else, when that becomes the object of your desire, when you treasure your treasures, then there's a struggle. Luke chapter six, verse 24, I, didn't, I kind of forgot about this, but there's two major sermons in the Bible. There's the Sermon on the Mount, that's Matthew, and then there's the Sermon on the Plain, which is in Luke chapter six. Jesus addresses the same thing in the Sermon on the Plain, and he says it this way, but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when the people speak well of you, for so their fathers did the false prophets. And you're going, well, that's kind of mean right there. Like he doesn't want us to, no, you know what he's saying? If you really get deep into this passage of scripture, he's talking to a person that's self-sufficient. They get to the point with their treasures that they don't feel that they need God anymore. I have been, in the course of my 54 years, 55 years now of my life, I have come across people that at one point they were following after God and God blessed them and blessed them and blessed them. And they get on this side of it and they're self-sufficient. 
They feel like they have no need for God anymore. God did all the things. I, I didn't share this story, but there's a story years ago. We were in a little small church in, um, on Old Petersburg Road. It's the church that, that my first youth pastor's job. And it was an older guy in front of me. And I knew his story. And his story was this. He came from nothing. He came from absolute poverty. And in poverty, he was challenged by a preacher one day to give money at a, a special offering. So he pulled out his wallet. He only had a couple dollars. It was everything that he had. But he felt like the Holy Spirit was telling him, you give everything. So everything he had, five, six, seven dollars, he put in that offering plate as it went by. Fast forward 25 years later, this guy is a multimillionaire. I mean, I'm talking about he has more money than you can shake his stick at. He's sitting right in front of me. And a preacher gets up, a guest preacher gets up. And I know this guy. And he said, I have, I have friends with him. And he actually has been telling us the story over and over and over again. And the guy gets up there and he goes, he goes, listen, we're going to take up an offering. It's going to change the world when we do this thing right here. And he turns to me, he goes, I've been through this once before. And I remember the exact words that came out of my mouth. No filter. Remember that? I said, I dare you to do it again. He said, what? I said, I dare you to do it again. The first time that you told me about you gave everything, I dare you to do it again. He said, I can't do millions and millions and millions of dollars. We start realizing or start thinking through the process about treasures that that's all there is. Another problem that a lot of us have is we, we think that this, this is it. And in order for us to understand this whole idea of treasures, we have to think beyond today. A lot of people live just for this moment. That's all they live for. Luke chapter six, verse 20. It says, and he lifted up his eyes and his disciples. He said, blessed are you that are poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry for you shall be satisfied. Blessed or weep now for you shall laugh. Blessed are the people who hate you. And when they exclude you from, from their thing, they spurn you in the name as, as evil on account of the son of man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy for behold, your reward is great in heaven for so their fathers did to the prophets. What he's talking about is you may not have it right now, but there's a day coming that you will have it. That's one of the things that's great about God. There's more to this life than this life. I may not have a lot of things. I may have to endure some hardship, but I think I can think beyond today. I may be poor now. Maybe not by the world's standards, maybe not by your standards, but I can say I'm, you know, but one day I'm going to be walking on stuff that we wear around our necks and on our fingers. It's jewelry, it's precious. But one day we're going to be walking on that kind of stuff. There's a day coming. You may be weeping right now. Maybe there's a problem, maybe there's a struggle, maybe there's a broken relationship. You may be weeping now, but I'm telling you, the Bible says that, 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 that mourning comes and there's dancing that we can be doing instead of the, the, the sorrow and the things that are going on in our lives. That's the thing about God. He's, there's, he always gives us hope for tomorrow. And then unfortunately, there's so many people that are tempted to live just for today. Eddie Vedder, if you don't know who Eddie Vedder is, I'll give you Eddie Vedder's the, one of the band members of Pearl Jam. I know it's real spiritual to talk about Eddie Vedder. But he was being uh, inter you know, interviewed in um, Rolling Stone magazine, and they asked him about his thoughts on religion. And this is what he said. He said, all I really believe is in this moment, like right now. He was saying he wasn't interested in anything else. He wasn't interested in eternity. He wasn't interested in worrying about what happens tomorrow. He was just worried about today. And I thought about a passage that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul is talking about what was going on in Ephesus where they would take slaves into Colosseums and they would have wild animals come in and they would kill them. But there's this little tag at the end of this thing. 
And he says this, he says, he says in verse 32, what do I gain, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts of Ephesus if the dead are not raised? And he says this, let us eat, let us drink, for tomorrow we die. You know, there's a lot of people live for the moment and that's all they live for. They live for today and that's all they live for. I found this on Facebook. This is actually, uh, Gretchen, my, one of my, my assistants said this, sent this to me. She says, the best math, the best math you can learn is how to calculate the future cost of a current decision how you can calculate how important this moment right here is. That's what, that's what the story in Hebrews chapter 11 is, when it says Cain and Abel, though they're yet dead, they still speak. They realize that they were living outside themselves. There were still moments. Acts 13, 32, when David accomplished his task in his generation, he fell asleep. Psalms 112, we talked about this before. Teach me to number my days aright that I may gain the heart of wisdom, that I would make the most of this moment because something's gonna happen because of this moment that I can't maybe change the things of today, but I can change tomorrow by how I react today. What if we lived outside just this moment? And then take it a step further, peel it back a little bit more. I think in order for us to understand this passage, we gotta think beyond this world. Beyond this world, there's a place called heaven. There's a place, the Bible says, but woe to who uh, you were rich, for you received your consolation. Woe to you are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. You go, man, that's hard, man. Jesus is like burying this person. But you gotta remember the audience. Remember we talk about that's so important. When Jesus is talking, we're ready. We have to understand this is who's the audience he's talking. He's talking to scribes and Pharisees. He's talking to religious people that think that they're doing the right thing. Remember, I said this last week. He said to them one time, he said, you look like you're, you're great on the outside. You're whitewashed tombs. Everything's clean on the outside, but the inside, there's nothing but death and decay. And he's going, listen, stop. There's more to this, this thing called life. There's more to this life right here than just what we're talking about. He's talking to people Think about this. Think about your life. Think about some people that you know that are never satisfied with what they have. That's who he's talking to. He's talking to the person that feeds every appetite that they have. I had a friend of mine that I grew up with and, and all through high school and then he went off to college and I stayed in the hometown that we were living in. But this guy was a thrill seeker. You know what I'm talking about, a thrill seeker? He did things like it was jumping out of an airplane. It was, you know, motocrossing across whatever. I and mean, he was always, to, and he ended up dying doing one of these thrill seeking things. And I always think to myself, there's people out there that all they're living for is themselves. This is the same group of people he's talking to. These were thrill seekers. They were looking. They didn't care about anybody else's need. They went through life as long as they were satisfied. In the Bible, it describes what we would call probably a worldly person. During one of my moments when I was doing some writing, I stopped at this point. And I had to repent because a lot of times in my life, that's who I am. In my deep, deepest, darkest, farthest away moments from God, it's all about me. It's not about this world. It's not about understanding that. Anybody know who Sylvester Stallone is? The first service, we had a younger first service. They're like, who? Rambo. Okay. Rocky, right? Yo, Adrian. That was pretty good, wasn't it? So... I was reading a story about him, and I didn't know this, and it's really cool, that before he became famous, I think Rocky was one of his first, his first deals, right? And so, but before he became famous, he was a really strong, devout follower of Christ. Um, he was at church all the time. He was, he was a giver. I mean, he, did, he served in, in his community. Like, he was a, a generally good guy. Well, then they found him, 
I think he was a boxer, actually an actual boxer. And they found him. And, and so they extracted him from that and they brought him to Hollywood and he was making gazillions of dollars when gazillions of dollars were not being made by famous. I mean, he was famous. And he said, little by little by little by little, he walked away from God. And he said, if I had to do it all over again, I would have never done that. He said, because fame and fortune took me further away from the God that I needed to know and further away from the person that I wanted to be. When you have a, an eternal perspective, when that compass is pointing in the right direction, it changes everything about you. But when the compass is facing all the other directions, all the things that bring us fame and fortune, all the things that bring us accolades, we're bound to do but one thing, and that's to somehow or another get off course. And the last thing is this. This passage teaches me about specifically about thinking beyond Yourself, beyond myself. Can, can, I, can I throw out something today without anybody sending any emails today? I know some of you may think this. I know if you have kids, at some point you've said this to your kids, I promise you. The world doesn't revolve around you. The world doesn't revolve around you. I was talking to a friend who just lost his wife. Been married for 20 something years. She died of, of ovarian cancer. The place he worked gave him a couple weeks off. He said, but he got back to work. And when he got back to work, you know what he realized? Life goes on. There were some people that were genuinely concerned about him. They were genuinely, you know, sorrow with him. They were good, strong believers around him. But at the end of the day, the boss wanted the job done and he had stuff he had to do. And he said it was just one of the most, you know, almost almost demoralizing realizations that life goes on. And the majority of the people around him had no clue what was going on in his life. Jesus is over and over and over and over again. If you want to invest in what's important, you invest in kingdom things. You don't invest in things that moth and, raw, uh, and rust. You don't invest in that stuff. You invest in things that matter, that things that will outlive you. A couple weeks ago, Pat said he's never seen a hearse with a U-Haul truck, uh, you know, a hearse towing, uh, towing a U-Haul truck because you can't take your junk with you. But so many of us live our lives that it really revolves just around us. Anybody ever see the movie Everest? So nobody? There's a movie called Everest. Let me tell you about it. <laughs> So I was watching it on the way back from Haiti on one of my trips that I was flying around the world for like eight days, it seemed like. And so I watched Everest. Well, I thought it was going to be a nice little movie. I thought everybody was going to live. I don't want to, you know, it's been out for a couple years. People die in this movie. And so I'm sitting there on the plane, bawling my eyes out, like, you know, how I am. And I'm like, gosh almighty. And everybody's like, you all right, dude? I'm like, Well, they get to the end, and they're, going, they're doing credits. And the credits are other people died that died in other expeditions. And they were basically going through a list, you know, kind of a memorial. And they came across one, and I kind of recognized the name. And so I remember after the movie, I remember coming back home, and I Googled it, and I looked. And this is the guy's name. His name was David Sharp. You've probably never heard of him. But there's a story behind it. He was 34 years old. He was a kind of an amateur um, mountain climber. And what he found out is that as an amateur mountain climber, 
you can pay about $60,000 and they would let you with a skilled team go up as an amateur at Everest. For $60,000, you go with a skilled team and you can, you can have the thrill of a lifetime by climbing all the way up to the top of Everest. So he had saved his money for a couple years. 40 other people, he shows up at the base camp of Everest and they go through all the stuff and they tell him how to do it and there was all kind of regiment before him, but he gets there. He is so excited, $60,000. He's so excited, all these other people. So they have these experts and they're, and they're trekking up the mountain. He gets to the top of Mount Everest first. He stakes his claim. I mean, it, this is a big moment. He's, people are taking pictures and I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Well, they start to get ready to descend. And he goes, okay, I'm just gonna start. You know, I'm the best shape of all these people. He starts to descend. He gets about 300 feet. Now let's put in this in, 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 into kind of some kind of... Um, you know, objective view on this one. 300 feet. He's one football field. So think about that. You've been a football. If you're one football field, he's 100 yards, 300 feet from base camp. He can see the base camp. And all of a sudden, he looks down in his oxygen tank and he's having a hard time. He's struggling breathing. And so all of a sudden, he's, he's kind of he's sucking off the, uh, off the oxygen tank and there's no oxygen left. He goes, it's, it's no, no big deal. He's going to be fine because all these other people that are coming down, they have oxygen probably left in their tank. One by one, 39 other people walked right past this guy. They see him struggle on a rock. They see him barely breathing, but they were, their quest was to get done and get to base camp and say that they conquered Everest. Every professional, 39 other mountain climbers walked right past him and he died because he froze to death. 300 feet, 300 feet not even to the other side of our parking lot. And no one helped him. It made me think of the story of the Good Samaritan. This person gets beat up on the side of the road and a religious person walks right past them. It's an inconvenience. Another person walks right past them. I'm afraid for my life. He's, he's probably, it's probably an ambush. There's probably other thieves in the, in the back or across the other side and they're gonna come out and beat me up. And a Samaritan, a lowly Samaritan. It's like saying somebody from Hepzibah. Just kidding you. It's a person you would probably not normally hang out with. Walks up and sees the guy. Brings him back to life, takes him to the inn gives him money, says he's coming back through town. Whatever the bill is, more than what I've given you, I'll take care of everything. Basically, Jesus says, you know who's the most spiritual out of all of this? The good Samaritan. Not the spiritual people. Not the ones that looked the part. That's what Jesus is saying here. There's lots of people that looked the part. But if you really want to do something that matters, invest in something that's bigger than yourselves the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says it like this. It's a commandment. He said, and this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, whoever loves God. Boy, there's a lot of people in the world who say they love God, right? Also must love his brother. We around here, we talk about it all the time. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's what God wants us to do. So where are your priorities? Kingdom-minded or just this, this world right here? Is in your life, is today all there is that matters or are you bigger than that? Or do you realize that there's more than this world? There's a place called heaven. 
but there's more of this world than just you. I'm gonna do something real quick. I'm gonna pray for us. And whether you're here in this auditorium, you're out in our atrium, you're watching us online, if you're down at our Sherwood campus, this isn't a time to be poking somebody else or asking somebody else, you know, how are you doing? This is a time for us to look inward to us. How, how are you with these things? Lots of people in this world spend their lives pursuing all types of luxury. With every new acquisition, there's a new adventure. They find themselves asking the question. Every time they conquer the next thing, the next promotion, is that all there is? Is that all there is? Is there anything else? Yeah, there is. When we invest in kingdom stuff, there's way more than that. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, I talk about this a lot, everything in life, God. You, one thing that I've learned, everything in life is about balance. And this is about balance. This isn't, this isn't that you don't want us to be wealthy. You don't want us to do good. That you don't want us to perform. It's about our priorities. It's about do we treasure that thing. And God, sometimes we even hide it behind religion. Well, God, the more I make, the more I can give to the church. We make it about us. In this, in this moment, God, can you do... Can you just do one thing, not for anybody else in this room, but for me? Can you do this one thing, God? Can you check me? Can you search me? Can you make sure that I'm not treasuring treasures? Can you make sure, can you teach me what it really means to live, not just for today, but for the rest of my life? Can you, can you teach me that there's more to this world than what I see with my eyes? Can, can, can you teach me, God? to see beyond myself. That this world is bigger than me. There's more people in this world. There's people that are dying and there's people that are away from you. There's people that need that oxygen and we walk right past them. God, don't let me walk right past anybody. And I don't know how many people would be willing to even pray this prayer with me right now, but God, break us. Break our hearts for lost people. Break us, break our hearts, God, for, for people that are hurting. Break, break our heart, hearts for people that are gasping for air. Break our hearts for, for people that are in the world that we come in contact with every day. And instead of another, another conversation about whatever the conversation can be, let us use that platform that you've given us to tell them about the only thing that really matters, and that's you, Jesus. It's a big prayer, God. I pray that you would help me with that personally. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.